Everybody Hates Me, Let's Talk About Stigma, a podcast hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. She is the Canada Research Chair in Global Health Equity and Social Justice with Marginalized Populations and an Associate Professor at the University of Toronto's Factor in Wintosh Faculty of Social Work. This show features amazing speakers from around the world talking about stigma from research, lived experiences and activism perspectives. Why should we care about stigma? What can we do about it? This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabewaki, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. This land is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Historical and ongoing legacies of colonization produce injustices for Indigenous communities, and this podcast aims to understand alternative ways forward. Thank you for tuning in. Let's start the show. Listeners, today we have a real treat. Dr. Caetano Doria, who is a professor at the University of Victoria, Faculty of Civil Engineering, is here to join us. He is an expert in water and sanitation for low resource contexts, including drinking water quality, wastewater treatment, which I'm really excited to learn about and resource recovery, what that all means. His interests are at the crossroads of environmental and public health engineering. This means developing and evaluating waste water technologies, water and sanitation technologies, among so many other things. He has worked in many countries in the world, including in humanitarian contexts, as well as in the Canadian context. Welcome. How are you today? Hi, Carmen. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited. So (laughs) usually I reflect on if I've ever met somebody, which I'm lucky I have met you, how I met you. And I think it's through Lena Tang at United Nations University. No, actually, because I was thinking about this when when you sent me the invite, and that was through Yuling Chang. She introduced us. And you have been my, like, of all the people I met on Zoom, this was like the, the virtual encounters and, and glad that we did actually manage to fit in a, in person, in real life. Yes. Um, I remember this was like one of the most uh, nice encounters I had way back when. I, I think that was in 2020. Oh. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot And then that. we do have Lena also in common. Um, yes. But yeah. She had told me about you. I remember... She mentioned your name and said you were very busy. So your name was in my brain. And then my mentor, the wonderful Professor Marion Bogo, who passed away last year. She, when I told her I was interested, yeah, she was so, she was such a force. When I told her I was interested in water and sanitation, she's like, well, you're going to need new colleagues. And so she introduced me to the professor at U of T was like, I make toilets. I think you want to meet somebody else. And she introduced me to you. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's hilarious. So I know that you formally don't think that you do stigma work, but you, maybe you work in a stigmatized area with sanitation, wastewater, fecal sludge. Mm-hmm. If I was to show up in Victoria, which I really like, 
and I'm really happy we, we met in person there. And I had a time machine and I was going to put you in my COVID proof time machine. And the time machine can go to any countries. It could have multiple stopovers. It can go to any time frame. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty magical, high-tech time machine. I love it. Uh, is there any times you could think of where you thought, oh, what, where I'm working or what I'm doing is in an area like treating waste that is kind of stigmatized? Do you have any moments in your life where you can remember people's reactions or people you work with or any anything that where stigma sort of rose its head and tell us where we'd go in the time machine yeah so as i don't ever know what i identify as professionally but for the sake of this conversation <laughs> let's just say i'm an engineer <laughs> right and and that carries a lot of kind of weight to it and sometimes not always the positive weight because i think sometimes engineers can be very narrow minded so this is a great wake up call to just kind of like acknowledge that you know a lot of times we we think a lot of the technical part and and many times i think we're actually blind to everything else like we are at the end of the day designing for people it's not just a toilet mm. it's a toilet that someone's going to use but i think i've been thinking a lot about stigma actually ever since i met you and and i i don't know i even need a time machine but maybe i'll go back to that i think of of stigma a lot and how it relates to sanitation and and this is something that um we might have even talked about earlier which is just here in victoria like Mm -hmm. i i can when i go downtown i see people experiencing homelessness and 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 the first thought that for me comes to mind as someone that works in water and sanitation is like okay well what happens if it were me like put myself in someone else like mm-hmm. where would i go mm-hmm. like i yeah those thoughts are are now the ones that you know i it, it's impressive that not impressive it's sad i don't need a time machine right? to see and feel these things but i think um I feel even our sector in a different way has, and and this is more general, there has always been a bit of, especially related to sanitation, a, I don't, and I don't know if stigma is the right word, but even um, in terms of projects being funded, before it used to be all water. Mm. No one wants to finance a sanitation project, mm. right? And we do have, I think more recently we, we're doing more in the area, even professionally, like we can go to certain conferences, not all of them, and actually say the word shit. Mm. And we're not like, <laughs> oh, you can't say that. And 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 it's kind of probably draw parallels. You, you would not be able to go to a HIV AIDS conference and not mention the word sex. Like, how are you, you going to make any progress if, if you can't even, right. you know, and, and if I just said procreation, like, yeah. hey, you wouldn't get to the right people and yeah and, right know. so I, I think of those things around stigma and, and I might not have answered the specific example but definitely uh there's been places where you know working on projects in I think we worked in a project in India and and it wasn't actually even a sanitation project but we visited a water a wastewater treatment plant and they had this big so in wastewater treatment the first one of your first treatments is you have this basically a big basin and you want to settle out all the solids 
so that you treat just the liquid portion after. And, and in this case, this treatment plant was down and they had to empty that up, didn't have a pump. And there were a group of men, sanitation workers that were working down there. And my colleague alluded, because I asked, well, is this a service? Is this, how, how did you find? And I was trying to probe to figure out and, and we didn't get to dive into it, but it, to me, it was apparent that this was a service being rendered by a specific cast, right? And mm, and mm-hmm. then and that I knew I had read a bit about. I'm not definitely not an expert, but you know, and 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 then those are that's an example of of when I started to to realize now that I understand a little bit more about stigma is is like yeah, and and there there's a ton attached to sanitation workers. So in these projects, I think that's the not so much the community, but I think sanitation workers are are closer to the engineering working parts of a system. And and that's where I can definitely say um, in the many places I've worked is there's a lot of stigma there and work needed to address that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I remember in 2003, I lived in Ghana for a year. It was one of those, I think we used to have CETA. Remember we used to have CETA, Canadian oh, yeah. International D fat D. Yeah, it's like, oh, that, that, <laughs> that, that ended a it's while It's like ago. Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince. It's, it's like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, and, and I remember walking in an alley once and there was a man walking in front of us and he had been cleaning toilets, I guess, and had a bucket of, uh, you know, the waste from a toilet. And I just remember being overwhelmed by the the odor and just in my mind being like, wow, like that's, and it was in the dark too. And I was like, I, I wonder how he's viewed or treated and, and it's it's really interesting. I've been reading a little bit. And I don't know anything like you know, but like about the history of the toilet and things like that, oh. and just how it's always been sort of a class divide and what kind of toilets people have. And you see this in in many places, you know, including what you just said of people who are unhoused. Like exactly. you know, maybe there's a porta potty, maybe or maybe there's a public bathroom no, that's open some hours, yeah. you know. But in general, there's some sort of hierarchy as economic linked with the toilets people have yeah and 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 that that made me think of the same in haiti right so Mm, the the, the pit emptiers are known as the bayakus and and Mm -hmm. the like and it's you can't hire one directly it's through word of mouth and or at least this is what i hear i I don't know that right um but the more I asked, it's like, oh, you hire, like, how do you pay them? Oh, you pay someone that knows someone. And and I, I feel that all of this is, and these are, are people who come in the middle of the night and do this job. So, I, you know, that's that's definitely, and, and probably without any sort of what we would consider anyone that needed to do that here is like have PPE and, and yeah. legitimate profession. And, and so it's not just the fact you're working with shit it's it's on top of that in a dangerous context and with you you have to hide that right it's there's a stigma that goes around that 
I was just in Kenya a few weeks ago, and I need to show you some of the photos of the toilets that people took. We asked very young adolescents to take pictures of their toilets they're using. And then we printed some off and we had them put emoji stickers <laughs> and they, and then they did some destroy mapping. And then they had to describe like, you know, what recommendations they had. And it's really interesting. And then they took us on the walk of the community and a lot of people, they, they had very clear wishes that the toilets were cleaned. There was, you know, they're very public shared toilets that, you know, there would be water there to clean them. And, and you, you know, also like danger using shared toilets and people not having like toilets in their houses. I've, has that been some things as, as engineers? I know we worked together on some projects and, and you're saying that there should be a certain number of the access should be a certain number of say toilets per people in a humanitarian context. So have you sort of come across these social issues of of access or of of people not feeling like they're using clean or dignified spaces? For sure. I mean, that's ultimately a, if a toilet does not get used because it is not clean, it is not a dignified it shouldn't count towards the bean counting of how much that project managed to do. Mm. I think many times these situations arise from exactly having programs that are there to equate a sanitation program to installation of toilets. Mm. The toilet is just the interface. It's part of a bigger system. And as with any system, and in this case, that serves a purpose, there's a process that needs to happen and it needs to be maintained. So how the huge challenge with shared facilities, who's in charge? Mm. What's the incentive? Like, oh, it's for your own good. Like, you know, we're all altruistic and, and want to help. And But frankly, like, I remember you don't need to go to such an extreme condition. And, and I think there things are, are, are um, problems are compounded and, and everything is at an extreme. But I, I remember even in a university in an apartment with flatmates, people <laughs> I knew and we shared <laughs> facilities and, and no one wanted to clean the toilet. We knew we had to. And, and it's just this feeling of, you know, part of it is disgust. And, and, and so I feel those are our elements in 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 these contexts that if they're not thought through and and how we're going to implement these projects this is where a lot of these situations arise and and part of it is also you know it's not just who is is well you're going to clean do you have water to clean mm -hmm. do you have the uh necessary do you have brushes and and cleaning products and you know so it's it's i think a result of a lot of programs not having thought it through or or the capacity to do it as it with all the elements that need to be done do you think it's normal that toilets are stigmatized because what you just said was there's like a disgust maybe it's got to do with you know our ideas of cleanliness and this is a place that's not clean is it is it like that everywhere in the world like toilets are kind of viewed as being dirty and and nobody really wants to clean them or is it is it, is it always been like this do you know i i don't, I don't think so i mean 
yes, there is definitely disgust towards shit, right? I mean, is that good for us? Like, we shouldn't, like, we should be disgusted to avoid it, to avoid being sick. I think it was, and and I'm 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 pretty sure it was uh, the late Dr. Val Curtis at the London School of Hydrotropical Medicine, and and there was a series of papers that explored exactly this is the evolutionary origin of of our disgust right and and so i think part of it there is that there there's a a nature aspect is is maybe we should be disgusted by it but you know um then there's a lot of toilet humor and and it's not always disgusting and and for the people that work in the area like we could go on and on about toilet jokes and and whatnot and it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, when in our own, I say our, but maybe I'll speak for myself in my home, just because I think the broader listening is is people of different backgrounds. But, you know, I have a toilet that is clean and in my home and, and I take care of it. And, and it is the porcelain dream. So we've managed to have a system that might not be fully sustainable, but this idea of a poor flush latrine, a poor flush toilet, that I can go use, mm. I flush and forget. And and porcelain dream is not my uh, term. It's it's I think one of our our grad students, mm-hmm. Claire. Hi Claire, if you're listening, she coined that term, and I and I and I love it because it's it's exactly that. It's it's a dream, and 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 that's what even these communities we you were talking about. Sometimes this is what people aspire to is as because you don't need to feel disgusted, right? So. We have managed to have a system that we, I think, managed to engineer out that aspect of it and to be able to live in high-density environments, right? Because that's the other element is is we could all, we, we can't all just go. Resource recovery refers to the fact that in this so-called waste, there's actually a lot of things we could harness from it, resources. So in wastewater, you know, you have uh, the water itself. So there's places that are already starting to do this is to extract water for different purposes from wastewater. We have the technology to do that and we have energy. So we could send the sludge through an anaerobic digester, get biogas, and there you have a form of energy. Um, And there's a lot of nutrients, right? And it's not just the shit, it's also the pee. So a lot of phosphorus. Mm -hmm. You know, in the industries, maybe more closely related to cleaning toilets or disposing of the waste. How do you think like we could, we could change that or do you have any ideas? So I think, I think there's a lot of initiatives working exactly to address that. Right. And, and that being making it into a legitimate profession. Mm. I have a feeling that unfortunately it's a lot of, it's a, a lot like all the other solutions everyone is working on is how do we scale it up? Mm. So, but I think just having examples that we can show in these contexts, this is how it was done. Every context will be different, has different barriers and facilitators. So, but finding ways of doing it, I think there are people, um, there are groups that are working towards that. So it, my point being, it doesn't have to be that way, right? There, there are ways around it. And, you know, it's, it's if, if only the sanitation, let's just call it industry or service for, uh, could function like cell phone services, right? So every place that you mention, 
probably has excellent cell phone services, except Canada, because <laughs>、uh, it's super expensive here. <laughs> but, but can you imagine if if things could work that way everywhere for other services that are possibly more critical? Yeah, and 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 a human right, right? I don't I don't know if cell phones are made it to a human right yet, but I don't、um, think so. <laughs> sanitation definitely is up there. I have I have two questions left. Yeah, one of them is so there's I don't know exactly what resource recovery refers to. Does that refer to when we compost? You know, I don't know the other word for other than shit.、Um, yeah, shit. When we compost that and then we reuse it, is that what resource recovery is? Or like, is there something good we can find in wastewater? Like, oh, we can track. Covid cases, but、yeah. we can compost that. We can sort of、oh, destigmatize waste and wastewater. So, resource recovery speaks to the fact that in either wastewater, so what we have in our sewered sanitation systems, or fecal sludge in these non-sewered sanitation systems, like septic tanks, septic systems, and pit latrines and whatnot. Resource recovery refers to the fact that. In this so-called waste, there's actually a lot of things we could harness from it. Resources. So in wastewater, you know, you have、uh, the water itself. So there's places that are already starting to do this: is to extract water for different purposes from wastewater. We have the technology to do that, and we have energy. So we could send the sludge through an anaerobic digester, get biogas, and there you have a form of energy. Um, and there's a lot of nutrients, right? And it's not just the shit; it's also the pee. So a lot of phosphorus、mm-hmm. is in there, and that's a a non-renewable resource. We're going to run out of it soon, so we better start getting our act together. And and how do we recover these resources? And I think destigmatizing might be one of the Big challenges. So there's obviously a technological one, but you take, for example, Singapore, and they have now what they call, I think they call it new water, right? So the story goes that their water source、um, depends on Malaysia, and they needed to have more sovereignty over their own water. They didn't want to be under the influence of a different country.、Mm-hmm. So now a lot of their wastewater gets recycled, and it's used as drinking water. But the exciting part of that was the technology is definitely exciting. But it was how they rebranded it. It's the marketing that goes. It's the education and all of that that goes on the other side to exactly eliminate that yuck factor, right? So I think that you know if we want to move towards this, which is more sustainable forms of water treatment and wastewater treatment. We will have to shift towards these resource recovery, and and a lot of professional organizations and and learned associations are, for example, the Water Environment Federation does no longer refer to it as wastewater treatment plants; it's resource recovery facilities. So, so there is a movement. They're destigmatizing the words. They're not calling it waste anymore. Interesting. Absolutely, and and so this is, I think,、uh, an exciting time, right? We we always think about, oh, there's all these, but you know, I think. I think these things are emerging, and and it's not just they they will they they will have to become the norm, because there's probably no other way out than recovering these resources 
when possible, right? And yeah, and, and composting, and there's a variety of, of ways we can do it. Because yeah, I grew up on farmland, and I'm pretty sure they use manure for a lot of things. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it has, maybe it's because we don't call it cow shit, we call it manure. We rebranded it as something else. And, ah. and it's, I, I, I don't know what, it would be interesting to, to speak to someone who understands the psyche of this is, is how do you nudge perception to go in one direction and not think of it as something it is still you know when you smell it you still know it's what you're you're dealing with but it, it has a different yeah it has a different meaning because you're like oh it really makes the soil great and da, 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 da. It, and it has a value it's value yeah. right and and so uh part of it yeah and 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 this is where i guess yeah it's it's this yuck factor we have associated huh. to it that carries a lot of weight um into how these solutions need to take place that won't be just in the technical sphere. Totally, you need some social some social scientists on stigma. Well, absolutely, <laughs> and 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 this is part of you know I've I've been taking a lot of just reading more uh, and 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 I mean and and I'm a late came as a late revelation to me, but I said oh, I, I should read about this. Um, Paul Farmer guy, who is he? Oh, and like, he's wonderful. <laughs> and and I'm just seeing everything he's writing about, like healthcare facilities. You could scratch that out and put wash facilities mm. in it, and it's so like almost everything still holds true. And 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 part of it is, you know, to achieve these solutions is is we got to work together. And and this is part of it is working with different disciplines. And I'm a huge proponent of, you know, engineering is is to not be seen as sometimes it's not just seen as what can get us out of this. Cause that's, I think how engineers like to think, but it's also acknowledging that a lot of the problems we're facing is engineering got us into it. So we have, we need to be held accountable and, and change our ways and, and work with other uh, disciplines for sure. I, I love that you said that. And also that we're working together and I'm a huge fa fan of Paul Farmer. And uh, he wrote a lot about structural violence, which was originally uh, termed by uh, Galtung in the 60s. And Paul Farmer really applied it to the fields of HIV, among other other health issues. But what I really like about what he wrote, and, and you, you know, you're really making me think that it applies totally to water and sanitation hygiene, is uh, structural violence is anything that stops someone from realizing their full potential in life. Mm -hmm. And actually the more I'm learning about when people don't have access to toilets or water, they actually either have to travel further or they're not able to, to bathe and they can't go to school. Like there's a lot of ways that people's life opportunities are shaped by their access to water and sanitation. And, and how it's all connected, right? Um, Cause you have, uh, even if we think out of a human rights point of view, it's, it's, Yes, having water and sanitation is a human right, but so is having living with dignity. So that that's part of that. It doesn't complete all the dignity, but you know. So mm -hmm. thinking all these throughs, it's 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 not just a toilet, right? It's not just even think a lot in terms of. I say we is my community thinks a lot of it in terms of a service, but it's it's understanding the other roles, and I think and and that it's not just. Uh, a toilet or a tap stand that mm. it serves many other purposes. Yeah. I even see, you know, when people go to collect water, it can be a social experience. And when people go to, 
use a toilet in the night, it can also be a socially scary experience. So it's the, the social is around mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I have one last question for you. And I don't know, like, yeah. what you think about this or, you know, I've just been reading about and, and, and talking to people about what would it look like to design toilets with a diversity of people in mind, like disability or age or gender. Is that something that engineering is is already doing? Yeah, just just thinking about all the ways that some some people experience toilets differently based on their you know social positionalities or their in their needs. Absolutely. I think where if we reduce toilets to just the interface of of how you make that, um, I, there, there's definitely you know like there's there's in, in some countries there's, there's building codes for that, right? You need to, and there's standards for it. I think what's lacking is in low resource contexts is you know you could do that, but the challenge is so big is like well. You know, I, I've I remember seeing a a project. I, I can't remember where it had a an accessibility ramp to this toilet, but I was thinking, whoever can get on a wheel, whoever has a wheelchair in the first place, and can get on the road that leads to this toilet, doesn't need that ramp, right? They, they've already made it there. So, but there there are definitely that's a conversation that needs to be happened more, and I don't know that. There are specific solutions um, that are known in design guidelines that are common enough. And, and maybe that's where a challenge is, is just to have to, to understand that when we're designing for a community, we can't just design for the average person. Because that's the easy way, right? It's like, oh, we take the average and this many male, female, we can divide the numbers. But within that, you're going to have other needs, elderly, children. And and make those more ingrained into uh, practice guidelines and 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 documents like that. I think would help address this because for sure we can. Th- there's ways where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. I guess what made me think about this question was I was just reading on um, menstruation hygiene management and and also like our data that we just collected. All these youth are like, we need a bit like a bin mm-hmm. for menstrual products, but then where are they going to be disposed of is like another question, right? It's the system, right? It's the interface, which is that bin that obviously is needed, but then what happens to it? The same thing is what goes in the pit. And then you, you need to think, think it through from where it, or the, wait, it's a system. What What's the input? What's the output? And what's the output? Well, where is that going to go? Who's going to do it? How is it done safely? How is it disposed or recovered or or yeah? So it's it's more this this when we have these programs is to understand that the toilet itself is that's just the where the interface lies and and just think about the rest. Have you noticed more conversations in your field about like menstruation, hygiene management, about transgender and gender diverse folks in in, in the context of toilets? Or is that more just happening, say, in Canada or North America? Or do you, do you see that as a global thing? For sure. Like, I, I think just going to conferences, I I mean, I've been to my first <laughs> couple of weeks ago. So I, I was two years out of conferences with 
and wasn't going a lot to the online ones, but even just following abstracts and, and things we see, this is definitely not a, ooh, what's that person? Like it's, no, no, this is an expert in menstrual hygiene management or, or mm-hmm. I have a feeling that it's no longer, yeah. So it's it's not something that you, you hear about as a, a very niche topic and, and it's more and more part of the norm. Again, not, I wouldn't say, what everyone is doing, but there are people doing it and being recognized for that, which I think is 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 speaks to how it's it's more common and and talked about. That's amazing. Okay, so before we get to the wild card questions, where the listeners will get to know the real you, I okay. wonder if there's any you know if someone is walking their dog right now. I used to use this example all the time on the podcast, and then like. Our dog just died. So I'm like, oh, someone's walking their dog. Or whatever people are doing. Oh, no. Sorry. Hiking around the lake, listening to their, this podcast. Is there anything that the, like, you know, I consider myself the general public in this conversation. Is there anything the general public can do to start, like, how do we get rid of the stigma around toilets, around shit, around pee? How do we, like, any any recommendations? Anything you think people could listen to, read, think about? Ooh well there's definitely a lot of sanitation related literature i mean i think it it helps you know it's it's kind of the thing it's like we are all expert water users Mm. right we use water every day (laughs) yet we know so little about uh, i mean again if you want to go into the details where it comes from or how much do i use and what's a water footprint of meat versus a vegetarian diet and yeah we're expert users, but we don't know a lot about it. And I think the same, you could say the same thing about sanitation. The difference with shit is there has this stigma, right? We, we, yeah, you flush and forget it goes somewhere and someone deals with it. And, and it's, and, and so I think visit your, I, I don't know if they're open to, but if there's opportunities, just visit a water treatment, a wastewater treatment plant, oh, if there is one. Right. Yeah. And, and, and think like what happens to this and what happens if no one did anything about it. And, and so that sort of reflection is, is I think when you, when you start to think about that, I guess I'm biased because I think about that every day. I, I, I would like to get into the mind of someone who doesn't think about that. Right. <laughs> no, I think it's such a great point. Like yeah. think about your water footprint, but also think about your sanitation, who, who cleans it, who works in the plant, where are you, how much water do you, does your toilet use? Yeah. You know, when I started reading about like low flush toilets and just really thinking about how much water we're using with toilets too. Right. Yeah. And maybe we can do the, we'll do a, 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 a shameless plug for, for pipe dreams. Right. Yes. <laughs> Pipe Dreams <laughs> is a great book. And I'll have a link to your work and any, you know, yeah. you can also send me any any resources you want. Yeah. I mean, that's not my work, Pipe Dreams. But yeah, I think that, yeah. for example, reading literature like this that that help explain not just where we are in terms of a sanitation crisis, but even, you know, what the 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 needs are and and how we need to transform this system that of of this service that we use every day. Yeah, because you're right. We're in a climate crisis and a water crisis, and yeah, we need to know. We need to know about that. You're so awesome. Okay, the last few minutes. Are you up for some wild card questions? Oof. Okay, let's go. All right. Are you currently 
watching anything on Netflix or Crave or whatever is your platform? I am by default. Oh, okay. So my Netflix has been hijacked by two small human beings (laughs) in our household (laughs) that are obsessed. And I have to admit, I am somewhat... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> enjoying watching Cobra Kai. So I've never seen we, that. What is we, we the had, premise? So, so Cobra Kai is is sort of the Netflix series offspin of Karate Kid. Oh, cool. Right? So it has your two characters. Uh, was it Daniel LaRusso, who's the good kid, and Johnny, I don't. I forgot his is last name. Is he the bad kid? Is the bad kid. <laughs> but they're now grown up, and they sorted their stuff out, and and fight and come become friends and anyway very lowbrow nice nice <laughs> but a guilty pleasure so that's that's what i'm enjoying by default yeah nice i'd like sometimes fun fun and not serious things okay second wildcard question if you could go anywhere in the world with anybody for dinner where would you go and who would you take it could be a person living or dead Ooh. okay I have to say, and this is, as I mentioned, based on my more recent reading and just getting to know the awesome human being, is is I I love to to sit across the table from Paul Farmer and and just mm-hmm. you know uh, tap into that um, yeah. not just knowledge but I think energy and like it, it's like that's that would be I think what I would do yeah. Oh, and I would meet you both for a drink afterwards. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Okay, and the absolute last question before I let you off for the day is, is there any words of wisdom or advice that you've received in your life that's been helpful that you want to share with the listeners? Uh, Well, can it be a little toilet humor then? I would love that. Okay, so so I... I, (laughs) And I think it's just more, less advice, but just more on this sort of understanding where all our shit goes and and i remember in india there was a a septic tank emptying truck and the slogan on the side of it read your gutter is our butter and Ah, and, you know and 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 so you know there's there's money to be made out of it and and i think that sort of using that humor to (laughs) almost make it more fun and and yeah so I won't leave with words of wisdom, but more a little bit of, yeah. Your gutter is our butter. I love that. I think that's amazing. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, I thank you for the invite. It's awesome. And and listeners, um, there'll be a link with the podcast so you can find all of Kaitano's work. And we'll put some fun links there for you too. Thank you again. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you for listening to Everybody Hates Me, Let's Talk About Stigma, hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. Join us again for more conversations with stigma experts from around the globe.